Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to your weekly dose of newsy infotainment. It's Let's Be Treasonable, coming to you from Treasonable Studios in Los Angeles with your cognitive dissidents on the panel this week. She is a comedian, a world traveler, an economist, and the host and creator of the Villains of History podcast, which can now be heard on the Hoo Ha Ha podcast network, among many other places. It is always great to have her with us. Kat Alvarado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Hello. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have in you person. back. I know. This is second time back in the studio. Yes. And it is. This time, no cheese cake so sad oh well you know well we'll bust them out as i just recently got a shipment of the mini pie tins in but i'm almost out of macaroons which i was using for the crust so my next project is to work on a recipe for homemade macaroons oh i see and so once i once i'm making those doing everything from scratch We'll be back in business and, you know, much more to celebrate. Sweet. I can't wait to eat 800 calories in one <laughs> sitting again. <laughs> we aim to please. That's what we do. Speaking of aiming to please, as always, we are joined by comedian, scholar, and the black voice of reason. Always a pleasure to introduce the man who's probably eaten more cheesecakes than even I have. <laughs> Mr. Time and Ship. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Dave. Power to the people. Good to be here with the cat lady. She's here in the flesh. Good to see her. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is, you know, and we were we were talking briefly before we started things up about actually being here in the flesh. And, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be doing it for a while, but who knows? With the Delta variant, we may be back to the Skype and the and the Zooms and the things with the wah and the what have you. So let us let us enjoy the time we have together now. Although, you know, as you guys have mentioned, if we do have to go through another lockdown, I'm gonna have to up my cheesecake game because when we come back and start doing stuff in person again, we're gonna have to, you know. Bust out the baked goods as a way of welcoming everyone back. That's right. And it'll have to be new and novel and different and different from cheesecake. Maybe you got to put, I don't know, uh, sprinkles in it. Yeah. Or, or I, I did uh, try an experiment once with cookie butter that it's good, but it could be better. So I think I've got a plan of action for the next time, and I think it's going to work. So maybe that'll be the next level. Exciting. We'll, we'll take it up. It's exciting things happening here, not just Treasonable Studios, but at Treasonable Kitchens. This is <laughs> this is where we this is where we make the magic. And speaking of making the magic, the guy who who kind of I, I wouldn't say does it all, but you know helps helps usher it along. Well, that would be me. I'm Doctor David Robinson. I'm your Vin Scully for the impending apocalypse, and we do have plenty to talk about this week. But first, a message from our sponsors at Community Spread. It's morning in America, and people are waking up to the great taste of Community Spread. I kind of want toast, but it can be so boring. Butter, margarine, jams, jellies. I want something new. Here, try this. It's Community Spread. But you've already taken a bite out of it. What are you, smooth down there? Try it. Whoa, that's sick. But what's in it? What's in Community Spread? We're still waiting for the CDC to let us know. Well, it's deli- Wait, did he just say the CDC? That's right. Community Spread. Available at... 
Actually, I don't know where I got it. No, but seriously, back to that CDC thing. And it's not just for toast. Pancakes, waffles, sandwiches. Why, there's no telling where it'll show up. Community Spread isn't recommended for older adults or people with chronic health conditions. Stop using Community Spread if you've experienced difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face, new confusion, or an inability to arouse. Community Spread. From the folks who brought you, I can't believe I'm not better. It's the toast-topping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and there's nothing you can do about it. And new from the makers of Community Spread, it's unmitigated spread variants. If you barely acknowledged Community Spread before, try unmitigated spread variants. Now available in Delta. Ugh, we are so fucked. (laughs) Are we though? Because we're the ones who take all the precautions. I think the ones who are fucked are in the red states. Well, they're definitely more fucked, but until we start putting a wall up on the border or at least getting, you know, something that's more effective than the guys uh, in in the toll booths sitting there as you drive up going, uh, got any fruit? <laughs> you know, it's... What's the uh, governor? Is it Mississippi? Who's the woman? Oh, well, Kay Alabama. Ivey in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just came out and said, you know, all it's, right, It's time it. to start blaming the unvaccinated. Right. You I know mean, what? I'm all about it. I'm all about it. And, you know, I heard Sean Hannity said something, too, about getting the, the vaccine. Hannity, Mitch McConnell. Oh it's it's like something is happening where either it's, it's the fluctuations in the stock market or I'm guessing it's personal liability and how they are opening themselves up to lawsuits. I don't know if you saw the clip of Vox and Friends this week where where steve ducey is is talking about like getting vaccinated and brian kilmeade who's he's like the lenny of the group i guess you know mice and men is so he's the dumb one yes okay yes (laughs) he's like well it's it's a personal choice and and ducey is like well they're dying he's like well that's their choice it's like he still hasn't gotten the memo and it's kind of one of those things and we've we've all done this before you know on podcasts where you're trying to lead the conversation in a certain way and and there's one person who just does not get the subtlety and so it's like you're trying okay we're we're talking about how the vaccine is good. Well, that's not what I heard. And I'm, well, dude, stop listening to our own network that we're talking on. Vaccines are good. Well, it's a personal choice. I, I read a story this morning. Are, are you guys familiar with the Hillsong Church? Yes, this, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is one of those like, hey, let's bring the Christianity to the masses and, and just. Yeah, it's like pop songs. Yeah. Well, there was there was a member of the Hillsong Church who was like posting shit on social media about how you know vaccines are for idiots and and even when he went into the hospital with COVID, while well, he you know could still talk because there wasn't a tube shoved down his throat. I'm not getting the vaccine. Well, guess who died this week? And oh, wow. and the, his pastors, you know, hey, it's a personal choice. Still, and it's it's amazing. And, you know, this has been brought up before by other wiser people than I, but I think it bears repeating and should be pointed out that a lot of these individuals and the organizations they represent, be it Hillsong Church or Fox News, who are very anti-abortion and believe that a woman should not have any say in what happens to her own body. When it comes to the vaccine, that's a choice. Yeah. That is a personal choice. Right. And 
So they, they may not be pro-life, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. adults who are conscious of making their own decisions, but small groupings of cells or, or viruses, they are so pro-life. Well, I mean, got to protect those. I mean, the guy who's the guy in the wheelchair that keeps uh, uh, Greg Abbott. The, no, the, oh, the Madison young guy. Cawthorn. Oh, yeah, hate that guy. from yeah, North well, Carolina. He, you know, he was the, the uh, attempted rapist on wheels. The, yeah, the fake uh, veteran. Yeah, he uh, went after Biden for you know wanting to go door to door. Then they're going to come and take your guns, and then they're going to they're so take they, your Bibles too. Yeah, that's like, that's what you, they will do. When, well, what when, I think is crazy is how they criticize the left for being authoritarian. I'm like, do you guys even know what that word means? Because <laughs> I've lived in a blue state my whole life, and I am a very free person. I post all kinds of shit on social media. I live my life. I drink booze. I don't do drugs, but you know, I could. But you <laughs> could. It, it's an option. Right. It's all it, everything's on the table. So I'm like, what authoritarianism are you talking about? Because well, that's the whole thing well, with they, the, they the, make the, you the wear free- a mask. You know the whole oh, thing no. about freedom. When they start hollering the word freedom, you know that's why you you um, you hear the guy that what's the one uh, I keep Zappa when Zap, uh, Zane, Frank Zappa? Frank Zappa. Yeah, I mean he said when they took civics out of school, you know that was like you know, and they brought back social studies. You know, he said if you'd have just left civics in school you'd have a better understanding of what the Constitution was about and what's being taken from you. He said, you, you don't even know you, you, you don't even know what you're fighting for. And this guy's dead, and he said this, and this is raining today, but they don't know what they're fighting for. They don't, they don't read books. Well, that they don't explains think. a lot, because uh, here in California, at least in, in LAUSD, I believe, we still learn civics. It was still a requirement your senior year. We had to learn, like, here's the checks and balances, here's the Constitution. They made us uh, memorize a slew of support Supreme Court cases, just like 10 or 15 of the most relevant ones, but we we had to memorize them. And I guess that explains why here we are a blue state. We actually care yeah. about shit. And meanwhile, I, I guess in other states, they have cut it, which right. is sad. Well, and right. Texas is in the midst of passing a law, uh, making it illegal to... to <laughs> uh, this is so depressing. But uh, they are banning lessons on civil rights in the civil rights movement. What? Yeah, yeah, Martin, you won't. you know because if if you don't learn about it in school, it didn't happen uh, because it's connected to race. This is why I have my podcast. This is why Villains of History is an important podcast, and uh, well, I'm going to keep doing it. Why you are never going to run out of source material? Well, seriously, like here's the thing: is like they think people only get educated in school. Well, look, honey, there's a Discovery Channel, National Geographic, the History Channel, and a bunch of podcasts that are going to well, step and, right but, in. And there's always the internet. Which but, is where they get most of their information. But because you're you're turned into a consumer, they want you to worry more about consumerism than they want you to worry about history or knowing different things. That's why you know you got the whole. That's why you can sell someone on a vaccine, or and, and you can you can go and look at the different products that were sold to people, like the pet rock, or you can go and and just well, sell them I mean, just that, sell them anything, and they buy it. That's the I thing, though, even, is that uh, these people are so stupid. You know, they're talking. I'm not getting a vaccine because it puts 5G trackers in your blood, and they can track you everywhere. And and how are they disseminating this message on their cell phone? 
Right. Uh, which which was supposed to make that your is, life more convenient. Well, but it's it, turned into more of an inconvenience because of what, look what you're getting. 607,000 people. Well, it, people it, depends, didn't have to die. it depends how you use it. I mean, this is the thing with tools. Like in, in Bob Vila's hands, a screwdriver is just something that's going to help you put your house back together. In Bernie Getz's hands, well, it's going to make it a lot more hazardous to ride the subway in New York if, you know, if you're the type of person who scares paranoid white folks. Right. It's it's a tool and it's it's you can't blame the cell phone or the computers or the internet for the lack of critical thinking skills on the part of a lot of the people that are using these tools and technologies. But no, no, oh you know. gosh, I cannot imagine growing up and not learning about black history. I, I don't know what else to call it, but about slavery, about the civil rights well, movement, about, Jim about Crow, American history, you know, un- it's so un-expurgated. interwoven. I, I can't even, I can't take them apart. What are they going to learn? But like a Just lot about of these, the Enlightenment? Yeah, like, a lot of these people, I don't thank, know if you thank, guys... Thank you for saying that. I wish more people would say that and understand what you just said and say that they are interwoven and get them to, to speak that way, but you have more people who do not you know how er, how young I was when I learned about slavery? I want to say first grade right. because they had to explain what Martin Luther King Day was about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't even, I don't even think I fully understood the whole thing. I like generally knew about how like things were bad for black people. And then Martin Luther King came around and he made everybody friends again. And that I have a dream speech. That was essentially what I learned when I was six. And, and every year since then, of course, I grew up in Los Angeles going to school at a public school, LAUSD. And so I think that's part of it is it's right. interwoven because it's also the history of the very students who right. are in my yeah. district. Right. Yeah. But if, I, you, if you're not and, – and if more – I mean, because like if you were in a predominantly black school, I mean, they would go even deeper. Because they would go even the connections because they had your parents connected to that. If we were talking about World War II, if we were talking about the, uh, this, you know, well, they would go from, actually, they would go from uh, the Civil War and they would go to Reconstruction and then they would go just the constant. Uh, changes that black folks had to make yeah, through, I that mean, was connected to me, all our laws. we did learn the rest of it eventually. I'm talking about six-year-old cat here. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, no, but I'm that's the saying, thing, though. You, get, yeah. you get the saying, basics. Like, yeah, we you know, get the at basics. that age, you're supposed to learn, like, slavery, right. bad. Right, and then also learning how to tell time on a clock. Like, <laughs> But if you're a teacher, I'm just saying, if you, yeah. where I grew up, you know, it's like, my I, in first grade, my school was predominantly white. By fourth grade, my school was all black. Everybody. Wow, so you really grew up during that time of like white flight. Yes, exactly. So then so now you have a black teacher who's going to get even more in depth. And so yes, what you would learn that you would have got in the beginning, they're gonna go a little deeper. You know, and they're gonna go from like from a personal standpoint and and try to you know bring in your your parents and get you an understanding. Well I think it's it's also the you know, the matter of your your the personal culture that you grow up in, you know, because I I learned about slavery I, probably before learning about slavery in America. You know, oh, being Jewish, Jewish. I, I celebrated yeah, Passover. Learned, so uh, every yeah, year when thing. we were slaves in Egypt, you know, mm-hmm. and and you start there. And also, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, you know, my parents were big into social justice and education. So there was 
you know that that I grew up. You know, so when you learned Roots about was how, on TV. But wait, a minute, but you learned how Jews were connected to civil rights. Oh yeah, yeah. So but you, also, so, you know, you know so. I mean, when I was a kid, though, it was, it was a little too early to learn about that. But it was it was started with the basis of mm-hmm. we were slaves in Egypt, and that didn't work out so well. And you learn like so. This is why you don't treat people that way. Right. Then you know, when I was I don't know, like eight, ten years old, whatever. Roots was on TV, and that was you know family viewing, and we sat down like you had heard about right. slavery in America, you know, and you knew Abraham Lincoln and yeah. everything, but that like really helped contextualize it, mm-hmm. and so a lot of it, and part of the the telling of the Passover story, and I know you know I go off on on big Jewish tangents uh, occasionally, eh, you know, from time to time, but the what? the thing I know kind of crazy the thing that i've always respected about judaism as a faith is that it encourages education and questioning like whereas and this isn't you know i'm not condemning christianity but the way it tends to be practiced in america is there's a lot of this this is the bible these are the facts do not question learn obey Mm-hmm. And it's a cudgel. It's a political yeah. cudgel. It's not really a religion. You know, it's whereas really not. whereas you know, with Judaism, it's like here are the stories. You got questions. Here are some answers. Which is, which we'll is answer them. How Christianity and, can be taught. I think Catholicism right. tends to be more that way. My dad raised me more along the lines of exactly what you said. He gave me a children's Bible that had a lot of the stories, and he goes, "Let's talk about the stories if you have questions." And all those stories, because it was a children's Bible, were presented as like. Kind of like Aesop's fables, almost. Yeah. Here's oh, they're the story, all parables, and then like, here was the, the lesson, lesson of yeah. the story. And, and so that's how I went about learning it when I was a kid. But going back to black history, you mentioned Abraham Lincoln, and it's coming back to me now. How did I learn about slavery? And I want to say first or second grade, right? There was Martin Luther King Day, and there was President's Day. I remember on President's Day, we all made our little drawings of Abraham Lincoln and just memorized, uh, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. There were slaves, and Abraham Lincoln freed them. And then Martin Luther King came around and... <laughs> And he made everybody mm-hmm. friends. And that's the six-year-old first grade version of it all. But I I almost have no memory of not knowing I'm, I'm yeah. that like essential like time. Jerry line. Seinfeld. Right. You can't yada yada the reconstruction. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they did. The, and it's, it's funny you say that because um, when you dive deeper into, as they would do in our schools, he was actually trying to send them to Liberia because he didn't believe that whites would ever accept black people as equal ever and so he said well hey but then black people told him oh no bro we built this we're staying we're not going anywhere so they wouldn't go to liberia even though so, we were only- so you're saying that black people are playing the long game <laughs> you're, exactly. you're crafty you black people <laughs> right yeah and Ex- extra bone in the foot playing the long game there you go you will uh, not replace us. Yeah. Well, that's a pot calling a kettle black coming from a Jew. Gesundheit. <laughs> hey, so it is the 30th Saturday of the new year, and being the 24th of July, that also means it is National Thermal Engineer Day, All right. which maybe now we'll get someone in here to fix the AC, uh, but it is also the National Day of the Cowboy, National Tequila Day, National Drive-Thru Day, National National Cousins Day and National 
Amelia Earhart Day. Which is why I'm going to go to a drive-thru, get some tequila, and fuck my cowboy cousins. Yeah. Giddy up, and then get lost over the Atlantic. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah. Well, they better not, well, guess what? They better not uh, ever do any um, history on cowboys. That'll piss off some people. It you, was mean, my, you mean they, were, they weren't all white? Yeah, well, my buddy Ira, he's like 80. He was a uh, LAUSD school teacher, and he's, he grew up in, uh, he was born in Mexico, Jewish. His grandson wrote a, he had me read a, a, a essay of his grandson. Oh, yeah. And he wrote an essay on the original cowboy. And the original cowboy was black, and he wrote a whole thing on it. And it was amazing. This kid was only probably so. You're telling 15, me 16, the original right? cowboys, not the Marlboro Man, <laughs> not the Marlboro, it's the Newport guy, and, and, and so one <laughs> of the guys said, so one of the guys out said, on the range. What the hell? You mean they weren't the original cowboy? Well, like, why would they be? Because white people had all the like they had all the money and resources and elite stuff, and then the black people were the ones who are working. Right, but that's, so they would but, be the cowboys. Right, but they didn't it didn't come out like that, and, and you know because all you see is John Wayne and the, the whole deal. And when I, he I would wrote, love to hear someone, but the cowboys can't be black; they're America's team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so Nomen, nomenclature does not indicate ownership. I yeah. guess you uh, mentioned Engineers Day. I wouldn't take a jump. I know you're the host, but no, 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 I'm no, no. <laughs> what, jumping around. What tangents on this show? Unheard of. <laughs> Um, the space race. Oh my gosh, with Musk and all of that. Well, and here's Branson here's one of the things that Bezos. really bothers me about this is it's it's not even the space race; it's the edge of space race. Like these guys, unlike the the former occupant at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania, these guys are real billionaires. And and they're not even going to space. They're going to the edge of space. It's like these are these are like junior high kids who got to second base and are now telling all their friends they lost their virginity. Okay, but I have to say something. I okay, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and on my socials who were like, yeah, "Fuck these millionaires! They could have helped feed the hungry, and instead they did space and didn't even do it right." And and at first I was on board with that, and then I thought about it some more because I am an economist at the end of the day, and I'm like, wait, no. Actually, they did something really cool. They created a bunch of middle-class jobs, and they completely circumvented the government. Instead of paying taxes, they went, oh, that's fine. We'll create the project. You know, because there's a whole economy in Houston around NASA, people who worked for NASA and had these great jobs as as engineers when building here, the rocket ships. We've got, you know, JPL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many jobs are, are around space and space programs. Yeah. It, it's mind-blowing and they're good-ass they jobs. They, generally good-ass jobs, but here's the thing. When it's someone like Bezos, you know, when he's like thanking everyone who works for Amazon and shops at Amazon for paying for this, I can understand thanking the people that shop there, but to thank the people that work there, it's you know because you don't get a piss break. It so you know that, as I have a friend who works for Amazon. He says at least when he's been working there, he's actually loved the job and it's the best job he's ever had for what that's worth. What what does he do there though? He's a packaging person. He oh, says wow. he loves it because he gets to space out and like write sitcoms in his head all day, and then comes home and just like writes down all the ideas he had. See, and that's that's right. a positive use Not of time. Did. But the the thing being like you know if it was someone that wasn't building this empire on the backs of his employees you know it's i i was talking to someone at i was out at a show last night and uh met up with a few friends and uh buddy's girlfriend who i'd never met 
and mentioned that I had worked for Playboy. And, you know, I was one of Hugh Hefner's assistants at the mansion. And it was like, oh, my God, that must have been a dream job. And it's like, well, it was a job making someone else's dreams happen, you know. And that's the thing. To It is so fucking arrogant to thank the employees of Amazon for paying for, for his rocket company. Because it's basically, you know, like I when I worked at the mansion, it's like, them. I think not we're, we're going to pay you shit. And all the money that we save... For, you know, from not paying you a, a decent wage, we're going to put that into doing the shit that we really want to do. And and you can you can buy yourself a seat on the spaceship. Look, you're just going to need $28 million. I get what you're saying, but all that money that he spent making this happen, like it didn't just get set on fire and disappear into the ether. It all got paid to people. It got paid the people who provided the, the company that provided the metal that made the ship. Those people made money. The people who were the engineers who designed it, they made money. The people who were the finance people processing the payments, making sure the money got to the right no, place, I, they made I, money. And I it's, agree. These are all jobs that but pay upwards of seventy, eighty thousand dollars And I, know, I know girls... It's kind of like at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. when, when the Republicans were trying to negotiate like... Okay, well, we'll just give everyone like a $50 gift card to, to, you know, honey baked hams or whatever. And the Democrats are like, no, let's like give them, you know, 300 bucks a week to augment their unemployment and uh, a $50 gift card or whatever the Republicans were actually offering. I know I'm exaggerating here, but it's the, the Democrats were like, that's that's just fucking crumbs. And the, the Republicans, oh, well, that's just crumbs. The Democrats don't want to give you money. They're saying that what we're offering isn't enough. And it wasn't. And so I agree with your, your basic point that, yes, there, there is a lot of good that came out of this. But most of the benefits are going right back into Bezos's pocket. Which, which is the genius of it, though, if you think about it, because look, like well, yeah, they've like created a, these yeah, jobs. Somehow the money's going to recycle itself back into their pockets. But in the meantime, my my sister, she's a she's an engineer, and she has classmates who graduated with her. So these are all kids who are like twenty two, twenty three years old, making a hundred grand a year because they got a job at SpaceX. Whereas my sister makes about half of that because she didn't get a job at SpaceX. <laughs> but, but I mean, I gotta say, wow, that's pretty amazing. That they're putting that money into the pockets of Gen Z and but, actually but I, paying but I, really I, good I mean, wages I, for it. The only problem I have with them is that our government gave them a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of benefits. They don't pay taxes on a lot of the stuff. He made a shitload of money. He, I mean, the guy's worth $190 billion. And yes, he's creating businesses. But you also killed our middle class. They're a part of the people. Who I think that's them. why they're they're doing a rocket business in specific because that's the kind of industry that builds the middle class. See, but well, well, but the, the thing is, you I wouldn't have to. I would have given you that anyway. Remember, the government decided to take out NASA and turn it over to the private sector because that's where they wanted to go. Okay, because I've given you all these benefits to where you can do it. You don't pay taxes. The only thing you did, you provide jobs that pay 15 bucks an hour. In California, you can't pay rent on 15 bucks an hour. But I'm saying you're, you're bringing jobs. Great. But I can't do anything more with it because the same guy at, at, at Bezos's place, they had these two brothers. They did a study on them. One was at Stater Brothers and the other one was at, was at Amazon. They did the same type of work. But the guy at Stater Brothers made 32 bucks an hour. He had a union. The guy at Amazon works longer, 
no union, 15 bucks an hour. And I, mean, getting, I mean, maybe uh, it's a wash, but then you look at other I, very I, rich people, like I believe Geffen made a giant donation to the Yale School of Drama. I would much rather a rich guy uh, build rockets that created jobs than give Yale a bunch of money that just well, sticks Well, I, I would have loved account. for him to take that, okay, we have a, okay, he, we helped uh, Bezos here, but right? we gave them places to go and, and build and everything. We have a huge homeless problem. A huge, we have a huge mental fair, problem. A, a, a health yeah. uh, with, with our uh, uh, with our mental. We need a mental institution. I wish they would build that. Well, I want to. I want to get to that okay. in in a minute because that plays into something else that I've been thinking about. But I I think and just to wrap up the billionaires in space. My biggest problem with it is that you look at the the scientific advancements that have been made over the years by NASA and products that came of like what NASA was doing even in the private sector you know for everything from tang to to space pens um which you know i mean if uh, i'm not seeking any corporate endorsements but if the people at fisher are looking for you know someone to give the thumbs up to the space pen i'm your guy um <laughs> But these are these are scientific advancements that are done by the government and then shared within the industries, you know, and in industrial government agencies, and then out to the private sector, and it all comes across. When you got privatized guys doing it, and all the money's going back into their pocket, I I think it it tends to suppress the science. Because it's more about making a profit for the company. It's kind of like prisons or hospitals. You know, it's the the healthcare industry. the The biggest problem with it is because there is so much of a privatized element to it. It's profit based instead of health based, and there are things that are going to help the patients and the customers of their insurance companies and you know by and large make everything better you know because you get healthier people making better choices because they're getting that education about making healthy choices I'll, 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 and that's going to that's going to make things better whereas you know you get a big hospital corporation that's tied in with an insurance company that doesn't really have any incentive to to pay out you know because eh, yeah that's not covered and the insurance company is not about helping the people that have been paying into it all these years it's about making profits for the stockholders and whereas that's a that's a great and viable business model for certain things for other things, maybe we need to reevaluate. You know where where the incentive is for I, the company. I think you're making some valid points there, and, and those are important to think about. But I'll say this, just to cap it off, and it'll be a good transition to what you're going to go into next. That the government has failed to help grow the middle class and support the middle class and in fact has done actions to erode the middle class in itself and so i appreciate that they would create that they would go into an industry that does create jobs that pay well and support people who can then support a family because yeah. there is no, no, no. and i i don't i don't I, deny I, I, and i don't deny anything that you're saying but it's it's kind of like you know we've talked about this on the show before when you get someone like Liz Cheney in in Congress and she is 
you know, one of the very few Republicans to, to stand up to, to McConnell and to stand up to these, you know, insurrectionist morons and, and conspiracy theorists. And that's all great. But you also have to look at the context of her entire career in politics. And I will definitely give her props for the good that she's been doing lately, but not at the expense of ignoring all the horrible fucked up shit she's done to help this country erode the middle class and and to take rights away from women and to take rights away from LGBTQ plus a whatever, you know, I will will definitely say that the, when you say that the government helped with, you know, get rid of things, you know, uh, and, and, but they also, as much as that they, they helped kill, get rid of a lot of jobs, they allowed that they were pushing the private sector to come in because the private sector tells you we can do this better than you can. Okay, you take our our vaccines. The vaccines were done. Those are private companies, right? And they did. They kicked butt. They but, happened. Them. But <laughs> they, we, they were done by private companies, but, but we, only with big funding from the government. Exactly. I was going to say the government like getting red tape out of the way. Right. So, so, so right. Yeah. Exactly. So this is when it works very well okay because we we ended up you know by oh my goodness it's know. almost like exactly the space race now I, I didn't really put it together but if they cut funding for nasa but then give some funding to blue origin the, it's not actually that different from them giving funding to pfizer for a vaccine They're exactly going, we still want space but here and what did you do you also say okay well you don't have to pay taxes you don't have to do such and such but we're going to give you this and so what did biden do biden bought even more and you know, they pushed. So here was the government and private sector working together, doing something and making you know, making it happen. Whereas other countries, they're burning bodies. And you know, India, India has uh, was it uh, Aquavax? What is that? Vax? Well, they make the they make the uh, the vaccine over oh, in India. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make it over there, but their people weren't getting it. You know, we we're giving away vaccine. Well, well and, and <laughs> uh, uh, Africa is what one uh, percent. Yeah, I think it's, well, it's definitely, I think it's less than 4% vaccinated in the whole continent. Right. But on on all these topics, uh, it it is worth noting that we are 186 days into the Biden administration. And as of today, we've got... Timberney. 610,356 Americans dead from the coronavirus and 34,368,072 confirmed cases with about 187.6 million people having gotten at least one dose of the vaccine with about 162.4 million of them three in this very room who are fully vaccinated so we do have that going for us what you know, timing you were you were bringing up the the Reagan closing down the mental hospitals and and letting everyone out into the streets, which you know helped advance the the homelessness crisis. But I've been thinking about this because as as we were saying earlier, you know, yes, the the Delta variant is on the rise, largely in the red states where people are, you know, strangely enough, followers of Fox News and followers of 
politicians who who wanted you to think that the vaccines are bad and it's a conspiracy and all that and you so you get people like uh, uh marjorie taylor green for example who is i would say batshit crazy and you know granted my doctorate purely honorary but i still feel i've, I've lived long enough you know, you, you don't have to be a genius or a safety expert to know that, you know, the, the homeless guy who's getting on the bus and throwing feces at everybody, maybe not the one you want sitting next to you. Doesn't take a doctor to make those choices. So what I was thinking earlier this week is you have all these crazy people who are sick and dying and spreading the virus. Maybe we need to reestablish federal mental health facilities and i you know we we don't want these people to be stigmatized we want them to feel good yeah this is what we're all about in america these days is is making everybody feel good about what they do and their choices and so you got literal crazy people like marjorie taylor green who are in office and spreading the misinformation that helps spread the virus to the the guy that's known as the QAnon shaman mm. who this week uh, his attorney announced that he's been diagnosed you know as bipolar and various other mental illnesses in this guy so what I'm thinking is we start taking certain facilities that by and large sooner or then later are probably going to be confiscated by the government either to to cover unpaid tax debts mm-hmm. or as as part of uh asset forfeiture right. thing one that comes to mind immediately is mar-a-lago it's a resort with lots of rooming so let's wall it off let's let's send a lot of these anti-vaxxers and and QAnon folks to to live in this you know new Mar-a-Lago mental health recovery unit, added bonus the main crazy guy will be treated like the king he believes he is by all the other inmates, and for the rest of us, we can just like comfortably wait until that moment of realization that you may think of yourself as a billionaire and a celebrity, but. These these are your true subjects. Well, I, enjoy I, your kingdom. I would think that it solves um, so many problems all at once. Yeah, I, I also think that the mil- the military bases that they're closing can be used for the new mental hospitals. As Shit, well yeah, as, send them as, all to Bagram. I mean, they're already built. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, as yeah. well as the homeless, they could they could take them because you. Well, I mean, I think the homeless we should find, you know, well, solutions be, here in the states. But I think you know, well, with I mean, right the, here in like, the states. oh, I thought you were talking about like. In Afghanistan no, and no, Syria, no, no, all no, the places no, no. that you know the military is leaving behind. No. Like, let's send all the QAnoners there. Yeah, but I just think that you know, with, with us having the capacity to do what we just did by, you know, getting vaccines out, I know there's a cure for this homeless problem, which we created. Because a lot of the people that are homeless lost their homes uh, due to fires, doing someone dying. Uh, and others, it used to be when you brought up Dave, uh, the mental facilities, it used to be, you could check into a mental hospital for two weeks, deal with your issue and check back out the ultimate okay. staycation. Yeah. Yeah. You could go and, and do your thing and, and come cause people would do it in the sixties and the seventies. They would just check in. Dudes was having issues with the problem. Take a little, they go in. Yeah. My grandma did that once. Yeah. 
You have people who are actually having mental breakdowns because they could not function in our society. They could not function on a regular day basis, so they would go and take. But when you took all that away and you start raising all the prices and just put everybody out in the street, you know, now what do you got? You got to do, you don't know. We have such a, a mental health problem in this country. I don't even think we comprehend the half of it or the quarter of it, to be honest. Um, and and I looking at the, the QAnon shaman guy uh, reminds me of a, a few different things. Uh, one was... Why I, you should stay in school. First of all, that, yeah. But are you familiar with the sovereign citizens conspiracy? Oh, dear God, yeah. So the idea that the U.S. is a corporation, all our social security, birth certificates are actually some kind of financial instrument. And uh, the first time I ever met somebody who was someone who believed in that, he ended up a few months later getting diagnosed with severe schizophrenia. I'm 100% serious on this. And I was reading this week on Twitter an account of what was going on with this one lady who was being tried with respect to January 6th events. And she had filed her her letter back to the judge with the perspective of the sovereign citizens conspiracy calling yeah. the United States a corporation, herself a, a soul and her body a vessel. It was very strange. And she just like wasn't really acknowledging the judge like she was acknowledged, but she's like, you have no authority over me. And the judge is like, I mean, I, I do. I'm the judge and you are a citizen of the United States. Like she it was like she didn't live in our reality. This is true. I think of a lot of these people. And sorry to say, you, you I, need a reality check. I feel I, like she does. She can't. I would reading that. I'm like, this woman isn't competent I, to stand trial. But my friend who's a lawyer says she is being stupid. Doesn't mean you're mentally I ill. I just watched uh, Overboard last night. It was the. It was on the, the uh, Kurt Russell. Goldie no, 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 no. This is this is this is. Um, they did a whole thing on these people were going to sell their cruise boat, and the two people who had said they bought the boat from them. And one came from the the, the man came from a, a you know broken family abused home, and the, the 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 wife came from a Christian home, who was brought up middle class, and they got together and they got married, and they plotted, and killed this couple, and threw them overboard, and the wife, the husband that you thought the husband orchestrated the whole thing, but it wasn't. The wife, he would, every time that he, something was done, he would call the wife. She was only 23. He was 26. White, they were out of Newport Beach, and they was going, and they had a couple of people to help them. Uh, they had a big brother to do the muscle work, and then they had the other Hispanic kid. And they said that, and they, they talked about, and, and the mother's like, I'll never get to see my grandson. She said, I won't be able to see my grandson. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And he sat there. They said the guy sat there with a smirk on his face, and they handcuffed him, and they took, um, before the guy, before they threw the male dude over into the ocean, he kicked the dude in the nuts, right? As, as his last thing. Oh, and they had him, you're yeah, swimming. Right, and so they had him handcuffed together, and they threw the anchor over in the water, and they took him to the deepest part near Mexico, they knew exactly where it was, like 3,500 feet or something like that, and threw them in. And um, that's what that, but he would get on the phone and call the wife. So not only did he get life in prison, they're gonna get, they're gonna, you know, he's getting the death penalty, but the wife got life in prison without parole. The black dude also got, uh, he got the death penalty. And the Hispanic cat, for him, 
that they gave him, I think they gave him 50 or 60 years still. But I'm just saying, you wouldn't even know how crazy that these people were if you met them every day. And to me, that's the, the ultimate mental, you know, and they said, why did you do it? And they yeah. really didn't even have a they didn't even have a real reason. Well, but I think That's it's almost better to have illness. no real reason for for doing that than you know doing it for political gain, like Ron DeSantis. You know, you want to talk about killing people on on cruise ships? Huh. Uh, you know, the state of Florida is is all excited about uh, a new lawsuit that went in the way uh, for for the cruise ship industry, right. saying, "Yep." You can do cruises again. Meanwhile, Florida hospitals are are maxed out. Right. Florida is, I, I believe, uh, the leading state in, in the resurgence. Of, I think it's Mississippi. Mississippi. I know Missouri is uh, yeah, is Mississippi, big, Arkansas. It's the the whole idea that it it would be great for the cruise industry to be able to thrive, but. The best way to do that is to stop the spread of the virus. You know, what's wild, too, though, is like with Florida, it's particularly politically dangerous for them to be letting this happen because, you know, it's the Democrats in Florida who have gotten their vaccines. Mm -hmm. It's the Republicans who haven't. It's the Republicans who are going to die. And in other red states, it doesn't matter. They're still going to be red. But Florida is a swing state. And we know it's come down to just a couple thousand or fewer votes some right. years. Well, so, you know, between the virus and the collapsing well, are, buildings. So, so tell me this, Kat. Why are the Cubans so backing the, this whole thing? And they're Republican. A lot of Cubans in Florida are, and Venezuelans are backing Ron DeSantis and his decisions to not get the vaccine. Oh, because know. they have communism PTSD. Yeah, and they're believing the hype. You know, yeah. I mean, because they, and I know that they've been told that the streets will be paved with gold when you get here. That's what they tell all you know immigrants when they come here, and they don't. And so long as you know, you don't want to be a socialism. You don't want to, it's not that. You want to be a Democrat. But you're going to actually not take the vaccine, you know, that you're going to stand there and listen to this moron tell you this, that the woman who was actually keeping the data, they fired her. What's the, what's the woman? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they arrested her, Rebecca? Yeah, and they raided her home. Because, and Rhonda Santos was behind that because she was telling the truth and they didn't want the information out. Yeah, the truth that it doesn't do so good for Republican polling. They are way more authoritarian than we are. <laughs> yeah, but as long as they can, you know, point at the Democrats and go, these are socialists, just like what you escaped. Now come into our fascism. You know, it's, it, fascism is, it's like a neutral word with these people. Honestly, whereas they've in, been trained to be triggered by accusations of socialism and communism. Oh my God. And you look at, you look at, you know, we've, we've talked about this both on this show and, you know, on villains. You, you look at Nicaragua and Daniel Ortega, you know, and, and looking at the age difference between you and I, Kat, you know, when I was growing up and, and I was a news junkie back then, but Daniel Ortega was a good guy. And the the fact of the matter of his evolution into becoming a tyrant is that it happens a lot with communism where the, the power structure is so centralized and the individual who's behind it all, who may have gone in with all the best intentions in the world for helping people, gets a little taste of the power mm -hmm. and they love it. 
So the corruption and the evil that they do, well, it's mainly a factor of what that individual is bringing to the party. It gets, I, I believe, wrongly painted as being a result of the the communism and well, the socialism. I, w- I would argue this. To have effective communism, you have to have a strong central authority. It is a command and control economy model. But you also need the accountability. You do. You do. But when you have that strong, strong enough central authority, it gives few people a lot of power and absolute power corrupts absolutely and so it kind of ends up being this that that's just why it doesn't work and forget all the economic stuff because i could talk about that day in and day out and people on the left will just be like u.s sanctions u.s sanctions (laughs) so i'm not even gonna touch it i'm just gonna go with the human nature argument absolute power corrupts absolutely and when you put too much into too concentrated a group then they start taking advantage of that in ways that like grow the power of that narrow group. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think a lot of Cubans and such are scared of even a little bit of leftism because there's like a momentum to it. It just like, it sucks. It sucks itself in, it, it, yeah. it amplifies itself. Well, you the, know, a little bit of power begets more power, begets more power, begets more power. The accountability so. is, you know, that's the kind of thing that takes work, that, and, and you know, and, and nobody wants to do that work. But I think about like when I lived on a kibbutz, you know, back in the eighties, comes out loose. <laughs> But it's, I mean, you want to talk about living in a, in a pure socialist commune, there, there you go. And it works because of the accountability. Even on a kibbutz where it's big and they're raking in a lot of money. Like we, the kibbutz I lived on uh, was in the South and it was part, like the kibbutzim, plural, a uh, little Hebrew lesson there. But they're, they're sort of organized into regions. And so you get like all these individual socialist settlements that are also sort of teaming up and pitching in for the good of all of, of the kibbutzim in the region. So I lived on a kibbutz where, you know, our main things were we had date fields, we had turkeys, we had cows, onions grew, all kinds of things. Yeah, it was a farming thing. The next kibbutz down the road, was, and I think still is, like the number one dairy in Israel. And so like, you know, as part of the regional thing, the cows on my kibbutz were giving milk that would then go to Yotvata and become part of, you know, the milk that's sent out and sold in supermarkets all across the country. Yotvata has so much money that I think like when I was there, you would get your own apartment when you were 14. They had like a, a kibbutz cable system. Like there was, they had their own HBO, you know, that was all for the kibbutz because they had all this money and they, they were giving a lot to the other kibbutzim in the region. And there was like a collective date packing plant that was on their property that they largely built, but like the, the other kibbutzim in the region that grew dates and supplied the the plant, you know, and I, I worked at the plant and it all like comes together, but the the accountability is achieved by rotating the power structure and the jobs that people have. And it's it's small enough that you can do something like that. When it gets to be the size of a country, that's when the accountability becomes much more difficult to 
maintain, but also so much more important. And I'm, I'm here's why I think it works there. The idea of a kibbutz, it's probably pretty old. And it's probably built into the culture. Mm-hmm. And so the morals, ideals, and everything that are taught probably feed into, to, you know, if you teach people the right values to function well in that system, then that system will be successful. Whereas in a place like Latin America, it's just been so plagued with conflict and colonialism and abuse of power for centuries mm-hmm. that it's hard to just come in and... and and do that, you know, on the, the, the working class, the indigenous have been so downtrodden. They've been used to for hundreds of years being the followers and having a centralized leader, whether that is the guy who owns the plantation, right, or the guy who's politically leading them. But they tend to just they are used to psychologically accustomed to a strong leadership authority and unfortunately what that means is even if you take away the fascism you take away the colonial power structure of master and worker you still end up with people who are used to a dynamic of central figure and followers Mm -hmm. and that is what's really really hard to break whether you put it in right-wing terms or left-wing terms they're not used to the structure needed to actually make it work. Well, I think you you nailed it like straight up. The the problem is the human nature, mm-hmm. you know, because it is it is that corruption, and it doesn't matter whether you're you know a, a despot in in South or Central America, or you're an aspiring monarch here in the United States. If you have the mentality. And even worse, if you're able to sell people on the idea that I alone can fix it, you know, it's you, you need me. It's all about me. I'm the guy who's going to fix it and, and you can't do it without me. And if people are willing to buy into that, you know, caveat emptor. Yeah. And, and, and just asterisk on me saying worker and master or, or you know, patron and, and worker rather than master and slave. I am talking about Latin American context. Sure. I feel like if I was talking about U.S. context and I said worker, cancel me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but in Latin America, I mean, it's it's slightly di- it's different from slavery, although it's like de facto slavery. Well, well so. I think, you know, they always used to say if you want to know why Latin America is where it is, just Google, well, Central America and the United States, and they will give you a rundown from 1855 all the way to the present, and they will tell you how things got the way that they are. You know, it's because I used to have you know Republican friends that would say, "Well, how can those immigrants keep coming over here?" I said, "Well, Don, you know, if if you just Google it, you'll find out. You know, because but you don't want to know that. You want to know. You want to complain." I said, "Do you know that a a person that is that that doing the picking our berries or putting food on our table, you call those people invisible because you don't want to see them. But those people are very important. You don't want them to come and, and get their citizenship and just be able to come in, but you, you want them to pick your berries. Well, guess what? That's only six, They only make 16 bucks an hour. If you want an American to do it, it would cost you $30 to pay them to pick vegetables and berries and everything to, to do that. You don't even want them to have basic medical those people were getting COVID, and they were going to work every day but ju- jumping back to latin america and you pointed out like the u.s has fucked with latin america for a long time i think that is cold war history that 
doesn't apply as much now in 2016. It's been a really long time since we fucked with Latin America like that. And they have had several decades to start recovering. And many of them haven't made progress because they have so much corruption. And I Mm -hmm. think it's high time we stopped pointing the finger at the United States for their troubles and started pointing the finger back at them and saying, we've we've had 30 years. And I mean, it's kind of like Afghanistan. Like we're pulling out of Afghanistan after being in there for 20 years. Like we tried to the the idea was to go there and to to help support the afghanistan army to fight the taliban and you but, know we but, we weren't able to do it and it's you know we can we can take a little bit of the blame but ultimately it comes down to but they, I, but, but they I, did not follow they learned nothing from our military presence there. But I, but I would say, with your point, the system that was created down there, you can't do this. You can't corrupt people for for a for so many years and then all of a sudden just say, okay, now you're on your own. But you created my armies. You created all these different things to keep unions from coming. I mean, we never did even go after uh, United Fruit Company, what they did to Latin America in so many ways, taking all kinds of land from those people and making sure that they had to come over here. And then, and we created, just like in Haiti, people say, oh, can you believe what happened in Haiti? We created Haiti. We created Haiti. We put Papa Doc in, 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 and kept Haiti where it is. You can go all the way back to Thomas Jefferson and all the way to the French after they were got the French got their butt kicked. We put a uh, embargo on Haiti, and we put a billion dollars worth of reparations against Haiti, which they still have not paid for. And we, you know, we kept them in a place. You can go to the Dominican Republic, all of it. United States played a role, and I think they still play a role. And just like here in the United States, you can't say you can say, well, there's no systemic racism. That's bullshit too, because we know by the system that you created, it has held people down. Yeah, you got a few black folks and a few Latins who've who've made some millions and some billions and everything, but that's not for everybody. Well, and going going off of what you're saying is there is no way that America is going to accept accountability for what we have done to other countries. When you look at the newspaper today, and we can't even as a nation accept responsibility for what we have done here. Exactly. And you, you know, one of the big stories in the news this week was all the bullshit around the formation of the the House Investigative Committee to look into the the sedition of of January sixth, and you know, you got people who are are spreading misinformation. You know. Uh, uh, fucking McCarthy wants to blame Pelosi for for making it political. Well, first of all, it is political at its very base because you do have a political party that was all about riling people up behind a series of lies that grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And you want to put people who are still propagating those lies on the committee that's supposed to investigate it. Honestly, I, I think it's great that that Pelosi, I, I think she missed her chance when she was explaining why she wasn't letting Jim Jordan sully the panel. She should she, What she should have said was, Mr. Jordan will have his opportunity to speak to the panel 
under oath as he testifies to what he did. And just, you know, point out, like, none of this, well, you know, some of these people may be material witnesses. Fuck it. You want, you know, she should have just come out and said, hey, if Jim Jordan is that intent on speaking to this committee, he will have his opportunity. I think Scalise is even worse. I think Scalise well, is, he's going to, and then she kicked Scalise and Jordan out. Well, Scalise, it wasn't Scalise. It was uh, Jim Banks. Okay, uh, Banks. From, from but Scalise Indiana. Is, uh, Scalise was in, has always been in the background. I was like, dude, that bullet, you getting shot didn't teach you anything from all the dirt that you've done. And now you now here you are. Well, I mean, it's uh, Crenshaw didn't learn jack shit from losing an eye. It's just so sad that... Uh... <laughs> So, so sad that they came, these guys at the Capitol, they were threatening the lives of all of the Senate. Like it's, it was an attack on the institution and that's an attack on both parties. And these people still won't investigate it. They won't treat it like it was an attack on the country. That's mm-hmm. Republican and Democrat. I think they're afraid, <laughs> Kat, because they know it, everything points right back to them. And they know they were all in on it. And they know no, that not Trump even worse, no, still are. Yeah, and wait a minute. And Trump set the whole thing up. I guarantee. I, I'm willing to bet that he planned it. He told the he told the the military to stand down. He told the, the they police literally to, like put fewer Capitol police. Yes, they did that on purpose. They did know. Well, how come? And they and so people were going to take the blame, but the main guy is Trump. Everything leads back to him, and they know that if they have these guys sitting on you know and they got to go under oath they know dude you're gonna lie well i think they're you know they're gonna try and do what the trump administration did of you know fuck your subpoena and i think it will be glorious to see these guys jailed for contempt of congress and you know it's really simple testify or take the fifth but do it and if you take the fifth you got a lot of explaining to do because if you are claiming this like vehement desire for accountability and you're not willing to to speak openly well you know i i realize that while the fifth is the right against self-incrimination and you're not supposed to assume guilt based on someone taking the fifth i think we know what it all means yeah here's a sad thing even if it goes just as we predict it will go, which is that we're going to find out a bunch of Republicans were in on it and helped facilitate it and made it happen. Even if that comes out, it's not going to change anybody's mind. I don't think anybody, I don't think my stepmother in Texas is going to hear about it and assume it has any credibility whatsoever. The talking heads are going to go on. They're going to deny it all. They're going to say it's a partisan witch hunt and that none of it's really true. And everybody who wants to believe that it's true is going to believe it. Everybody who doesn't want to believe it is going to dismiss it. Well, and think, it's not going to change a single mind. I think when people start going to jail, because now you don't, yeah. now there's no, there's no, you know, Trump can't bail you out now. Okay. So Giuliani. He should have bailed out Giuliani, but he didn't. Giuliani is going to ske- is going to squeal on him, and I think uh, and the you know whoever else they got Cohen family members. If Trump gets any type of criminal indictment, if they can get him, they're done. Well, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Like right off that, I don't know uh, if you caught Rachel Maddow at all this week, but one of the big stories in in the news was the arrest of Trump inauguration chairman and investor tom barrack yes and 
This is something that I'm a little fuzzy on because uh, Rachel Maddow specifically was making a big deal about how there are a lot of people, you know, five cabinet members who were recommended by the justice or recommended to the Justice Department to face charges that they never did. And Maddow was kind of looping Tom Barrick in with that, that the they held off on charging him until Trump was out of office. And it seemed like she was kind of painting that as, you know, proof of the corruption that was going on in the Justice Department. Whereas the way I've been looking at the whole Tom Barrick situation this week is because I agree with her that, you know, there are a lot of people who should have been held accountable according to the laws of this country that weren't because of their positions and closeness to the former president. But with Barrick, it almost seems like they held off on charging him until there was a change in administration. So that way the charges would actually stick Mm -hmm. because they knew that if they had charged him while Trump was still in office, Barrick would have been up there with Manafort and and Stone and everyone else who got a pardon. And it seems to me that rather than the the holding of the charges being proof of the corruption of the Department of Justice, that to me shows that there was at least one person in there going, no, we we need to wait until we can actually do something about this. It seemed like when Mayor Garland came in, he didn't want to touch anything. He just wanted to be this good guy. And it's like, no, man, you got to go in. People say, well, Biden's not in, involved in this. Don't tell me he's not, because he knows. He may not come out and say it to the public, but I believe behind closed doors, he wants his nuts. He wants well, those guys for yeah. what they did to this country. But I, I, I think it's it's you know not like a, a complete ignorance, hands-off thing with right. the Justice Department. It is still part of the executive branch. Right. It's I, Biden's tack is that he is letting them function on their own. He is not directing the Justice Department on what to do. He's, hey, this is their job. My job is to be the president. And to, you know, sort of have a supervisory role. Like, so knowing what's going on, absolutely. Telling them what to do and how to do it. No, I, I don't I think, think he's doing that. Yeah, I don't and think I he's think doing he's that. he's staying clean on that. But I think, but I do believe that he, like, like when the things that Trump has said about the, when they've talked about the vaccine and not taking and everything else, he's coming out basically saying, look, if it's there, get them. I'm going to let you handle it, though. Okay, if you find it, take care of it. You don't have to worry about me getting in, watching over you, looking over your shoulder, but you know it's there. I want you to do something about it because these guys really screwed up this country. Because when they found out that Trump was planning on bombing Iran and and what's his name, General Millingham had to talk him out of it, this dude would have had us in another war. All the cover up his crap. Mm-hmm. This dude was dangerous. And the fact that no, he, he even still got is. It, yeah. mean, that's you know, that's the problem. The fact that he got this far. This dude went from being a a a what is that thing? Uh, uh, con man? A, a, yeah, reality TV show, whatever, if you're fired. A game show host. Yes. All the way. And they put him in and they're still selling this guy like he's and people are buying it. I, I there's a guy at my job, I don't even talk to him anymore. 
I said, dude, I, I didn't really think you were that stupid, but I just... It's, it's a brand, it's an image, he's a symbol mm-hmm. of, of right. people being like, fuck you, fuck cancel culture. And that's what he represents. It's not even who he actually is. No. It's about the idea, it's about the feeling they get when they think of Trump. It's all about brand association. Well, and they see someone who's fat, stupid, and angry, and they're like, that's me. I could do that. Well, the daughter tried to talk... now. You remember when it was going down, the, the insurrection was going down. They said that uh, Ivanka called yeah. and tried to say, Dad, you've got to stop you know this what? thing. I, He's sitting there watching television. I, I, I don't buy it. I mean, I do believe that she like made a, a performative call, but it was like, Willy Wonka, stop, help, police. You know, it's <laughs> like she didn't make that call with any inkling of a thought that she was actually going to be able to change his mind affect change get him to do the right thing she, she made that call advisor. so it could be on the record that well i tried <laughs> you know it is all about covering your own ass with that family and that party and everyone else be damned as long as i come out of this free and smelling like a rose Everything is fine. Fuck everyone I else. Just, I just hope that human nature takes over and that takes out Trump. And by that, I mean, I hope selfishness and ambition of others in the Republican Party takes him out. And I believe Pence is starting to get out there and, and advance his own ambitions a little bit. Well, they, and I hope that picks up steam. Yeah, because- but the thing, Pence is doubly fucked because nobody on the left likes him. Nobody on you know on the extreme he right and the Trump, the yeah, so he's, you know, he's so he's he's and that Christian crap politically a anymore. man without a country. I mean, it, it, it's you it know may. the the over yeah, but the the overlap no. in the Venn diagram, you it's, know, it's slim. It is so slim. Like he's he's fucking toast. He is not. I, he's I as bad think, as that fly that was sitting in his hair that he didn't. Yeah, see. he Pence <laughs> Pence has just no chance. He has no political future in this country maybe like mark cuban i don't know some other billionaire can they run against trump well but i think the the interesting thing is how how all of this is fought yeah we didn't know no no rather have bezos than trump yes true that but you know it's (laughs) like kicking the nuts poking the eye with a sharp stick Gotta have one? No, let's vote for the Democrat instead. Oh, no, yeah, but I would rather have a Democrat run against Bezos so that in case they win, it's not Trump, than for them to run against Trump, and then we have to relive 2016 through 2020 all over again. I can't handle that. It's too much stress. But I think it's it's interesting, you know, we're talking, you know, Kat, I think you are absolutely right about the, the findings of any January 6th commission being painted as partisan and going to what you were saying time and about Merrick Garland. I think the Democrats need to have that come to Jesus moment as, Mm -hmm. as the kids say, where someone needs to sit them down and go, look, no matter what you do, it is going to be painted by the, the lunatics on the right as being partisan and, and socialist and communist. And like we were talking before the show, in, in terms of our approach to, to doing stand-up and, and psyching yourself up to be on the stage. You know, Timon, you were saying you have a list of, of all the negative things that you say to yourself mm-hmm. that you can look at that list and go, okay, well, well yep, that ignore that, ignore that, ignore mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And Democrats, the, the you know, not 
uh, we the the people, but the ones who are elected to, to higher office need to to have that moment to go. It doesn't matter, no matter what you do, the folks on the right are going to paint you as an evil communist and and a socialist and a, a, a fascist and a partisan hack. So so look at all of those words and to a certain extent, you know, take them to heart so that you don't become that, but ignore the rest because whatever you try and do, these people are going to whine about it. You remember uh, the scene in Big where Tom Hanks, you know, Josh Baskin is in his adult body as Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and he's working at the toy company. And there, there was an earlier scene where uh, William Hurd is one of the other execs and they're pitching like all this focus group stuff and the, the adult in the room who's actually a kid is like, I don't, I don't get it. Like it's what these, these numbers and stats, like for, for a kid, they don't mean anything. It's, is the toy fun to play with? Can I, can I have some fun with this? And so then, yeah. And he's like, I don't get it. And he's like a 12 year old in an adult body, which nobody else in the room knows. So he genuinely doesn't get it. And then there's a scene at a later meeting where he's pitching stuff and William Hurd's character, I don't get it. I don't get it. Mm. And this is this is what the Republicans are doing. And you have to be able to go, you know what? Fuck them. It's they are just here to obstruct mm-hmm. and to keep anything productive from getting done. Well they've never they've never um Push really, you know, good policies that they've had. No, now, they, all they all do they is was, bitch. And well, like put, I was saying earlier, they're all with smoke like, and mirrors. It's all about how they make people feel. It's all about catering to the messaging and, that's how and they no were actual able, substance. Yeah. That's how Trump was able to get the. the you identify the with me because up, we're up. angry about the same things. They're all marketing, and, and yeah. there's no solutions being pitched. But my, I still, your question will always be: What are you so angry about? I'm always. I mean, what do you, you know, got? You know, what do you? What do you? What do you? You keep. <laughs> well, you you're, know, you're, you're mad about. You, well, if a woman says, and this whole cancel culture. I mean, because they keep worrying about you can't say this, can't say that, or whatever. My thing is, dude, quit saying it. Period. If you didn't, because you used to be able to get away with things, you just can't keep talking to me any old kind of way. How long do you think people are gonna sit back and allow you? to insult them or take them down or whatever. It doesn't, it honestly, it doesn't matter for a lot of these people because, you know, like we were just getting at, it's not about solving problems. It's about bonding over the complaining. And yeah. and the Republicans are, A, the advantage is theirs over the Democrats because the Democrats are about solutions. Solutions cannot be effectively expressed in 15 second sound bites. Whereas complaining about the problems totally can. So that's how the Republicans control the messaging. But what we're starting to see, and I think it's really interesting where this is going and hopefully, dear God, hopefully it's going to lead somewhere, but we are starting to see the structure behind the lies coming apart like you were talking about earlier k ivy the the governor of alabama finally coming out and saying we need to start blaming the unvaccinated mitch mcconnell sean hannity telling people now that they have to get vaccinated the 
where they're trying to keep the focus on what I'm saying now, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, ignore everything I've been saying for the, the last year and a half, just focus on what I'm saying now. It doesn't matter who told you not to get vaccinated. Now I'm saying you should. And one of the other big stories this week was about the, the Pegasus spyware that was designed by a, a company in Israel, and it was only supposed to be like, you know, given and sold to governments and other official institutions. Well, wow, wait, it's being used for nefarious means and, and for tracking possible sources of dissent. Well, one of the things that came out about that this week is that uh, one of the people who was on the advisory board of the parent company who was paid, uh, I believe it was $100,000 between 2015 and 2017 was this guy who was a retired American uh, uh, military official. Uh, you may you may know him. Uh, his uh, name is uh, General Michael Flynn. <laughs> well, this is causing a little bit of consternation amongst the QAnon folks because all these evil people in the government and the deep state who who are making this software to track the true patriots like you and me and everyone else in QAnon, they're they're all evil because they're trying to come after us wait wait general flynn our our dear leader was was part of that hmm. wait what 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 do we do now so between the these idiots on the right who are finally coming around and telling their followers, you need to get vaccinated. And there is truth coming out about these folks who have misled the lunatics on the right down this crazy-ass conspiracy path. Well, now they're getting outed, and they're getting outed not by the mainstream media sources and trustworthy news sources, which is where the information is first coming. But then it's getting to the QAnon people through QAnon sources. Freaking good, finally. So, you know, now they don't even know whether they can trust the people that they've been blindly trusting all along. And ideally, this is going to lead to, you know, self-cannibalization of these organizations and groups on the right who are working against the interests of America and the American people They're really going to have just an existential crisis at some point of just not knowing what to trust. They already do. A lot of them already do. Um, that was one of the things that we surveyed a couple months ago and, and just, I can't remember the exact numbers, but a lot of people feel like they just don't know what sources to turn to. Well, it's, so uh, it's, it's going to be uh, bigger and bigger. I think that's, you know, you you bring up, you know, uh, that one company, it makes you think of Donald Rumsfeld and how when he was going out and people start finding out, like he was part behind aspartame. Mm -hmm. He knew, I mean, a lot of people don't know that he was, wanted to, that's where he really made his money and you know the fact that he bought Mount Misery do you know about Mount Misery no what's that Mount Misery was the house where um, Frederick Douglass they used to send all the slaves to be broken they would send them to this place called Mount Misery mm. and Frederick Douglass was sent there and he was brutally beaten uh, to break him. That's what he broke slaves. Whoever this guy was, he was this place was known for that. So when you know here it is years later, place goes up for sale, and who buys it but Donald Rumsfeld? Knowing the history of this place, of all the death that came out of it, it should have been a museum. I think it's going for. He bought it for like one point six. 
but it's probably worth like 2.4 million, four or five million it's right now. It's not a museum? No, it was his house. Hell? He lived there. Oh my private, God, that's got to be haunted as shit. Can you imagine? And that and that tells you how evil his ass you was. You know what? I hope he was there, like secretly doing paranormal research. Like for the love of God, it has to be. Yeah, when everybody found that out and it hit the it hit the you know the airway, they're like, "No, man, you're making that up." No, no, no he's calling out misery. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, there was something that happened this week. A reporter asked Biden if uh, you know, aren't there people in your party? who want to defund the police. And he retorted, aren't, aren't there Republicans who think we drink baby blood? <laughs> it was a wonderful moment. And I love it because it's the beginning of people at the top of the Democrat Party starting to acknowledge the fucking craziness on the other side. And for too long, the Republicans have used our crazies against us and we haven't used their crazies against them can we start calling out these conspiracy theories that have been relegated to the depths of the internet i mean i they can't have not known yeah well and also you you know you just look at the the base accusation there let's look at the actual stats of where police are being defunded and it's uh, what in the red states Wait, are you telling me that Republicans in Congress are the ones that have been voting not to fund police and other Yeah, civic- who's against police and government? It's the Republicans, not the Democrats for yeah. the most part. So look at the numbers, look at the votes, and oh, look at the time. It has been a lovely time with you guys. But I think uh, we've, we've covered a lot, and there is so much more, uh, and- these are these are all stories and things that are going to develop and keep moving. So we will we'll loop back around and check up on them as time progresses, and hopefully the the stories do as well. So with that, I want to thank you guys for coming in. It has been a lot of fun and problems solutions will keep happening. Let's see how they fall out. The Olympics are happening right now. A little too early, but uh, I'm predicting big winner in the Olympics this year. It's going to be the COVID-19 virus. So <laughs> you want to back a winner, that's who you should be rooting for. If not, fine, root for your own country. Whatever. We will be doing things uh, at Olympic levels of skill, as we often do. And hopefully we will be winning our own personal goals uh, to to do those and and keep us on the right track until then who knows so i want to thank you guys for being here with us cat alvarado always wonderful to see you should you so desire where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days weeks and months first off listen to the villains of history podcast we're in the middle of season three and it's a good time you're gonna learn a lot of stuff uh and Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Cat Alvarado. I post all of my shows on there. So check it out. Excellent. Well, thank you for giving us some of your time today. Looking forward to the next time already. Mr. Time and Ship, always a pleasure to see you. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Uh, they can go to my website at timeandship at weebly.com. Also, time and ship at Twitter, time and ship at uh, Instagram, and time and ship at Facebook. You can also uh, catch me at the uh, Fourth Wall tonight at uh, 8.30 over at the uh, Fourth Wall, doing some stand-up over there. You can get my book. 
uh, MyEStLouis at Amazon.com, as well as my CD, uh, Universal Brothers, on um, CD Baby, which I like to say, there are people out there actually buying my book. Every time I turn around, I'm getting little bucks in the bank account. Nice. nice. I gotta write yeah. a book. Yeah. You that. should. Yeah, I've been encouraging everyone to write a book. Yeah, they should. Well, and I I have not written a book, but I am going to encourage everyone to read a book. At least one. And you can start with my East St. Louis. Yeah. So, uh, time and thank you so much for being here. Uh, me, I'm Dr. David Robinson. You can catch me online on the socials. Facebook, I am Dr. David Robinson. On Instagram, I am barely there, but when I am, I am the Dr. Robinson, all crushed together into one word. And on the Twitter, I am at Stand Up Fall Down. And if you've made it this far into the show, you probably already know, but it bears repeating that we are on the socials. On Facebook, it is Let's Be Treasonable, all spelled out. And on the Twitter, we are at L E T S B. T-R-E-A-S-O-N-A-B-L. We take off the E's and pass the savings on to you, the listener. Speaking of you, the listener, I want to thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on the platforms where you're listening, even the platforms where you're not, if you've got the time. And if you didn't like what you heard, well, sorry to hear that, but not sure why you stuck around. Thank you for doing that. Make you a deal. You don't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone everybody's happy sounds good to you sounds good to me we will be back next week in one form or another until then goodbye